Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. As we wrap up Philippians, joyfully growing in Christ, I've asked Leighton to step up this morning and just read Paul's final farewell of this letter, verses 10 through 24 in chapter 4 of Philippians. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be, I know how to be, be brought low, and I know how to abound it. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It was kind of you to share my trouble, and you, Philippians yourself, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church, Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving ex- except you only. Even in the Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the, the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well suspended having received from if I, whatever, the gifts you sent for I can offer a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting because I learned years ago that if you don't know how to pronounce a name in the Bible, just act like you do with confidence because chances are the person you're reading it to doesn't either. So thank you, Leighton. Going through the book of Philippians was really encouraging for us, but I'm excited. I'm excited for us to go through Colossians today. This Sunday, we start the book of Colossians. And I want to preface this with our tagline on Colossians. The tagline is, Keystone Theology. Keystone Theology. What we mean by that is this. See, a keystone is something that is the center stone, the center piece that holds all the other stones together. So a Roman arch would have a keystone in the center top. And what we see in Colossians, there's about five significant theological truths that are the keystone of who Christ is and his relationship with the Lord and what that means for us. So keep that in mind as we study what we are going to study and be encouraged and what we're going to be encouraged by knowing that this is key stone theology that we will be encountering here in the book of Colossians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the freedom as we see what's going on in our country today and by what we hear that goes on in other countries that we have this opportunity to freely and peacefully come together and worship you this morning. Our prayer is to be encouraged in you, in your word, as we begin this book of Colossians, Lord. I pray that we can spur one another on towards you. We can be a reminder of you to others. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, looking at what's going on in our country right now, I would say we need a little bit of laughter, don't we? I think that's safe to say. Have you guys ever laughed so hard? Now, I haven't ever seen a male do this, so maybe I'm talking to the females. Now, I had two older sisters growing up, so I was around a lot of females. I was around my two older sisters, plus all of their friends. But have you ever laughed so hard that you started snorting? Anybody ever start doing that? Have you ever laughed until you cried? Now, here's another one for you. You don't have to admit this one out loud, but has any of you ever fake laughed? See? Yeah, see? And those of you that just gave me your best fake laugh, I'm pretty good with body language. So I've picked up on the fact that you've been fake laughing to a lot of my jokes. And that's perfectly all right. As long as I get some sort of a reaction, I get some satisfaction. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. So no matter if you're laughing with or laughing at somebody, laughter has many benefits. It really, truly does. And I just want to list out five benefits of laughter. Laughter relaxes the entire body. Laughter can boost the immune system. It releases endorphins in the brain. It burns calories. And it may even help you live Longer. Have you ever noticed, though, with laughter that it seems to be contagious? See, the brain responds actually to the sound of laughter. Apparently, it prepares the muscles in the face to join in on the laughter itself. And this leads to the notion that laughter is, therefore, contagious. And that laughter is easily spreadable. It's the reason why... If you go to, if you ever have been to a show taped in front of a live studio audience or like the Tonight Show or anything like that, they're going to have applause or laughter and people, the audience does it because it causes a certain response in our brain and it's contagious. Church, laughter isn't the only thing though that is contagious. I think we understand that, especially with what we're going through right now with the COVID-19. But see, our hope in a future, our only hope in a future is contagious too. Our growth in the good news, a.k.a. the gospel, is contagious. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Our title for today's sermon is this, as we open up Colossians. Contagious hope and growth. Contagious hope hope, and growth. Last week, we were encouraged to know that true contentment is achieved by relying on the Lord and Him alone. We recognize that the good news, not material goods, leads to contentment. We also observe that the strength and power of Jesus is sufficient for any and all circumstances. Today, we're going to be encouraged in God's truth especially in how it spreads worldwide. So let's get into our text this morning. We're in Colossians, starting in chapter 1 and ending with verse 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it is also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Leighton, Epaphras. I don't even know if I'm right, but I say it confidently. It doesn't matter. You don't know the difference, do you? Our main idea for these verses this morning is this. The good news saves and produces growth as it spreads across the globe. Sounds simple, doesn't it? The good news saves and produces growth as it spreads across the globe. All-inclusive can be good news if you're on a vacation, can it? Some of us here have actually been to an all-inclusive resort Some of us maybe haven't, but if you may be asking to yourself right now, what is an all-inclusive resort or what does all-inclusive mean? Basically, what what happens is if you go to an all-inclusive resort for a week, all your basic services and all the facilities and all the amenities are included in the price. You pay one price and then everything is provided for you. Basically, you just show up and enjoy as the resort itself and the staff members takes care of all the rest. So do you know what's the polar opposite of all-inclusive? If something is all-inclusive, then there has to be a polar opposite, and that polar opposite is anything that is exclusive. Something that's exclusive means that not all are included. It means that not everything is going to be included When you show up, church, the good news tells us that Jesus is not exclusive. Jesus is all-inclusive. We show up with our faith in Him, and He takes care of all the rest. See, His truth is all-inclusive. As it spreads inclusively, To all. And we see just this in verses 3 through 6, but especially we see this in verse 6. See, when we look at verse 3 this morning, as we take a look at this verse, we understand that it is pivotal to the entire letter of Colossians. In fact, it's one of the reasons our sermon series in Colossians has the tagline. Keystone theology. And this verse will be on the screen for you. But when you look at this verse, understand that verse 3 is the reason why we're saying Colossians is keystone theology. Paul states, we always thank God. But here's the important part. He says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you recognize what Paul is doing? 
Do you see what he's doing here for us? He's saying that Jesus and God are one in nature. He's saying that Jesus is God and God is Jesus. The end of verse 3 confirms the deity of Jesus Christ. Church, the stage has been set. Jesus is who the world thinks he isn't. He is the creator, sustainer of the universe. So what situation is Paul acknowledging all of this in? What is he doing in a particular situation as he acknowledges who Jesus is? What does it say? It says, when we pray for you. So immediately, we need to be asking ourselves, who are we praying for in the name of Jesus? Do you end each prayer by saying, in the name of Jesus, amen? After all, it's because of him and his work that we have the right to go directly to God in prayer. And when we pray to God, we do so in the name of Jesus. Because only God can connect us with God. That's why we acknowledge Jesus when we pray. Now we must ask this question, what's the source of Paul's thankfulness? Clearly he's saying that he's thankful, so why? Why is Paul thankful? See, he's thankful for the faith that they had and their love that they had. He's thankful for their faith in Jesus. See, we should be thankful for others' faith in Jesus too. He's thankful for their love. We should love each other too. Now, the reason I say each other is because they're in the last word in verse 4. Look at the very last word in verse 4 and then ask yourself, what is a saint? What is a saint? See, a, a saint is anyone who has saving faith in Jesus. If you're here this morning and your faith is in Jesus, then you yourself are a saint. See, faith in Jesus leads to our future hope. And verse 5 speaks of the hope laid up for you where? In heaven. Now, we typically don't use the word hope the way in which it's being used here. We don't. In English, we use hope much differently. I'll give you an example. We might say, my hope is to see you again. But when we say that, we're kind of saying, hey, it, it might not happen that I get a chance to see you again, but I'm really hoping that I'm going to have an opportunity to hang out with you again. That's how we tend to use the word hope. See, the word hope here, in the original language in which this was written, has a much different meaning. It means to be certain. It means that you're saying something with certainty. An example would be this. When we receive the glory of God, see, he's certain that he's going to receive the glory of God. After all, that's what our hope is in, receiving God's glory one day. 
Our hope is to share the glory of God. However, as long as we're on this earth, we must remember that we are not there yet. And that is key for us as followers of Christ. Because you're not there. You over there in the back, you're not there. You're not there. You're definitely not there. I'm pointing to the lady with the mask and the hat over here on the right. <laughs> David, you're not there either. I heard you laugh. None of us are there, are we? And, and, and contrary to popular belief, I'm, I'm not there. I know I just ruined your day because some of you guys were thinking that I was. But no, we're not there. And that's the reason why we have a culture here at Villa's Grace where we will admit that we will sin against you. I will sin against you. Why? Because I'm not there. Doesn't give me an excuse, doesn't give you an excuse. We just need to be honest with where we are right now. Which is why, going back to the end of verse 4, it says, the love that you have for all the saints, and it makes that all the more important church. This is the gospel. The gospel means good news. We define it the same way every time. Milton Vincent's words, not mine, his, from the book of Gospel Primer. The good news defined is the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The word gospel was originally used to tell of the good news of victory in battle. So when it's used here, when it was originally written, that's what it was talking about. It was talking about this victorious victory that was achieved in battle. So what's our good news victory battle in? See, for us as believers, we know it's in Jesus in his victorious win over Satan. We know that Jesus is victorious over sin. He's victorious over death. And for a moment, take a look at the phrase, word of truth. See where it says word of truth? This is where Jesus and his victory becomes the word of truth. This is important for us as it pertains to our ever-changing culture. We live in a day and age when we have access to far too much information. We have so much information at our fingertips. There's so much noise out there for us to listen to, and it's getting kind of hard to figure out what is truth and what isn't truth. Just yesterday, an individual that I know well from back in my past posted something rather clever on Facebook. I thought it was clever, but then it was easy to say, that's not true. See, he wrote, two men got into a rocket and launched into space from Earth. Great idea. And basically what he was saying was, with everything that's going on here on Earth, it's a good idea to get away and get away from it. That's not gospel truth. Because what did we say? Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer, not just of this earth, but of the whole universe. And last time I checked, I, I believe the Bible said that he's going to destroy the heavens and destroy the earth and create a new heavens and new earth. Therefore, we should understand that not only this earth, but this whole entire universe has been tainted by sin. So I want to say this once, 
And I'm not going to get political from the pulpit. We don't have an issue with racism in this country. And if you think we have a problem with racism, you're missing the bigger picture, church. If you think it's a race issue that's going on before your eyes, you're narrow-minded. See, where I'm from, the Amish country is real close. It's about 30 minutes away. And if you know anything about Amish culture, when one of those horses pulls a buggy, they put blinders on so the horse can only look one way. The gospel allows us to see things for what they truly are. So is this a race issue that we're dealing with? No. You know what we're dealing with? We're dealing with a sin issue. Now, does racism come out of sin? You better believe it does. But we're not here to treat the symptoms. We're here to tackle the disease. And think about that as we talk about what we're talking about this morning and what we're being called to do. So do not lose heart. Because the word of truth, as it says right here, will remain consistent. I mean, it's amazing. Look at our culture from the 60s. We thought we improved, didn't we? And we do good for a while, then we go back down. And we do good for a while. God's Word doesn't do good for a while and go back. God's Word is consistent. That's what we focus on. And it will remain consistent from now on through eternity. Remember how we mentioned Christ being all-inclusive? Take a look at the first part of verse 6. What does it say? Which has come to you? Which has come to you? The gospel hasn't come to you exclusively. Even when you see somebody on the news doing something to their city and it makes you angry, it doesn't come to them exclusively either. The gospel, the good news, comes to everyone the same, all-inclusively. We are all undeserving of this good news. But because of what Jesus has done, we are going to share in the glory. And His victory allows for us to come to Him with our faith only. That's all we bring to the table is our faith in Jesus. Faith that leads to Him taking care of the rest even better than an all-inclusive resort. We show up with our faith. God shares with us in His glory. So how do we truly know that the gospel is all-inclusive? How do we know that this is true? What does it say here? It says, As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Bearing fruit means that it's producing growth, growth in Jesus. Increasing means that it's contagious. So there's only one question to ask. How can you help the good news increase? What are you doing to help this good news of Jesus increase? How can you help it spread? Especially in times like now. How can you most effectively help it spread? How can you be part of what makes it so contagious? I believe there's three simple things that we can just focus on here and now that would help. The first would be this. Do everything in truth and love. 
Nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. The second thing that we can do is this. Just accept the fact and know that you are a hypocrite. There's not one person in this room that's not hypocritical. And if you think you're not hypocritical, you're being a hypocrite. Get over it. You'll sin and you will be sinned against. Sharing the good news isn't about being perfect. After all, we still shared in what we see in the beginning of verse 5. What does it say? Hope laid up for you in heaven. Sharing in God's glory is a what? It's a future certainty. We're sharing in what we are certain is going to come someday. When we're sharing in God's glory, yes, we will no longer be hypocrites. But until then, we're being used as hypocrites to share Christ. The third thing we can just come to terms with and deal with is this. Understand that you don't have to know the Bible inside and out. You don't. All you have to know is the good news of Jesus. All you have to understand is his victory over sin and his victory over death and what that means to you as a dirty, rotten, no good scoundrel. Every one of us here are dirty, rotten, no good scoundrels. There's no good little girls or boys, nothing but dirty, rotten, no good scoundrels. We're thankful for Jesus and his work because we don't stay in that state, do we? That's our certain hope. In other words, just be true to who you are now by letting others know who you anticipate becoming. Church, all of which we've spoken thus far is what we see at the end of verse 6 where it says, the grace of God and truth. Remember, grace is a gift. Our faith in Jesus has been gifted to us by God. And this brings us to our first point this morning. And that point is this. We are called to share the certainty that we'll eventually share in God's inclusive glory. We are called to share the certainty that we'll eventually share in God's inclusive glory. So let me just say this really quick, especially with our current events today, because I believe it's so important for us to be reminded of. The good news is for all. Equality, unfortunately, is unachievable in this life. We know that's true. We know that equality is unachievable in this life. But we know the hope laid up for us in heaven, that certainty, we are certain that equality will happen only through having faith in Jesus. It's not about making things right now as much as it is sharing about the one who will make it right when he decides to end all of this. Again, our main idea this morning, the good news saves and produces growth as it spreads across the globe. The good news saves and produces growth as it spreads across the the globe. What an opportunity we have to speak this truth. What an opportunity. 
I remember my pastor as a child, not only was he the senior pastor of the church that I grew up in, but he was also our youth pastor. And as I got older, he had the idea of inviting me to help him with the youth group. Now, mind you, he was my youth pastor, and he invited me to his church that he ended up moving on to one time. And in this church, as he said who I was and was introducing me, he decided to tell his whole congregation that I was the human wrecking ball of his youth group. It was true. But when I went to go help him later on as I, after I was saved, one of the things he would always tell me was, hey, as we're dealing with these middle school children, or actually they're not even children, teenagers, right? Just remember, we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds. See, he knew that would resonate with me because he knew I was that human wrecking ball that he planted seeds in himself. So how are we going to plant the seed? Because that's what we're talking about. As we look at this world, we have an opportunity as believers in Jesus to plant seeds. All of us, we have all these different people when we leave here that we connect with. How are we going to plant these seeds? Well, any green thumb in here knows that you cannot plant a seed unless you haven't first received the seed. Church, our job is to do just that. However, we must first receive the seed, then look to plant it within any and every one we know. And we're encouraged to do just that in verses 7 and 8. And as we look at the beginning of verse 7, it continues Paul's sentiment from the end of where he left off in verse 6, where he said, the grace of truth, or the grace of God in truth. That consistent truth. See, this is what those at the church in Colossae learned from Epaphras. Now, it's believed that Epaphras is one who founded the church. You could say that he was the leader of the team that planted the church in Colossae. So, what did Epaphras do with that seed planted in him? He took it and planted a whole church. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out there and plant a church. That's not what we're saying. But those who receive the seed must go and replant the seed. If your faith is in Jesus, you should be sharing Jesus. And up until this point, Colossae was the scene of some pretty historical events. See, Xerxes rested in the city on his march towards Greece. And if you've ever seen the movie 300, some of us have seen the movie 300, you should know who Xerxes is. Another historical event involves Cyrus. He marched his Greek army through the city as well. So both Xerxes and Cyrus came through with their massive armies and banners blowing in the wind. Events that were turned into Hollywood movies not that long ago. However, these events weren't as notable as the most important event to ever happen in that city. See, the world might have been focusing on Xerxes and Cyrus and the battle, 
And they would say, historically speaking, that's the most important event that happened in this city. But I beg to differ. See, this isn't the city's most historic event. In fact, the most important event probably received the most minimal amount of attention that if anything that ever happened in that city. So which historical event am I referring to? See, I'm referring to Epaphras, as it says right here. See where it says Epaphras? A faithful minister to, of Christ. When Epaphras came to Colossae with the seed of the gospel, a.k.a. the good news, he planted it. He planted it. And what was the end result of him planting that seed? What was the end result? A church. What was the result of the church? People got saved. And last time I checked, people still need to get saved saved. And God's glory, when he did all this, again, was inclusively shared by all. So as Mike comes up, I want to call our attention to what happened after the church was planted. So now we have the church being planted. We know that people are coming to a saving faith in Christ. But Epaphras was able to visit Paul in prison and report back to him about the church and he gave him a very glowing report of what was going on. So let's take a look at verse 8 where it says, And has made known to us your love in the Spirit. That Spirit, see where it's capital S? That indicates it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So going back to what we said about Jesus being God, God being Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit is God and Jesus and vice versa all the way through. This is the Trinity in which we're talking about. But this love that we see refers to what happens. See, when the, we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, that's planting seeds. That's how we allow seeds to get planted. So what's produced when we allow Him to do this? You guys have all heard of the fruit of the Spirit, haven't you? The fruit of the Spirit is what happens. See, when we allow the fruit of the Spirit to radiate from us, that's how we plant seeds. See, remember, love, these are fruits of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So when we talk about current events or when we see current events, we should be thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, not tearing other people down. Not saying, look at them and what they're doing. You should know who you are, hypocrite. And I'm sorry I have to say that, but it's truth. That's the gospel. Everything we see from the fruit of the Spirit comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And these are godly characteristics and attitudes in which we can partake in. We can say, yes, I have a sin nature but I want to show you love. I want to exhibit joy. I want peace to happen. My prayer is to be patient. I want to display kindness to others, goodness, and I want to show my faithfulness to Jesus. And we can do all of that, even while being hypocritical. See, because when others see these qualities in us, that gospel seed gets planted. So are you showing others love? Are you showing them joy? Are you showing them peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Not so you can say, look at me and what I can do. Not so that you can look good, but for 
Jesus to look good and for his glory to look good. The same glory in which we are certain to one day share with him. So, do it in truth and love. Do it knowing that you are a hypocrite. Do it even if you do not know the Bible inside and out. Do it knowing that despite you, the good news of Jesus will forever be contagious. This good news goes on whether we are involved or not be thankful that the Lord has chosen to use you during this time. Do it because you know that your hope and future glory sharing with Jesus is certain. It's not a, well, I hope Jesus is going to share my glory someday if I just do this or do that. No, know that it is certain. Do it because you know that your growth in Jesus will produce the fruit of the Spirit that's necessary for you to even do this to begin with. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. When gospel seeds are planted, people get saved. So what does this world have? A sin issue. What's the answer to our sin issue? Jesus. And when we have faith in Jesus, people get saved. Again, our first point this morning is this. We are called to share the certainty that we'll eventually share in God's inclusive glory. The glory of God is for all who call upon Him as their Lord and Savior. All who want to learn how to repent of their sin and turn back to God. That's all of us. We're all still learning each and every day more and more how to repent and turn, turn ourselves back towards God. And our main idea that wraps all of these verses this morning into one sentence is this. The good news saves and produces growth as it spreads across the globe. Church, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to help the gospel continue to be contagious. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you do. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Yes, we sang those very words this morning, but it is so true. No matter how enchained we think this world is, he has broken every chain. Why? Because he is all-inclusive. Our prayer is to be used to share that truth with others. Help us, aid us, prepare us to do so. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.